And the question is this, does he baptize? So you've probably heard about the baptism of or in the Holy Spirit or in the old days we used to say Holy Ghost. And I guess that's fitting today being Halloween. People are talking about ghosts and today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, But what I wanted to do today was actually talk about the three baptisms uh, that we find in Scripture. Um, Over the years, some unbiblical and some very wacky theology has invaded the church, okay? And I'm not talking necessarily our church. I'm just saying the church at large, um, over the years, it really has infiltrated. And I think, quite frankly, God is offended at our ignorance. I want you to think about that statement for just a moment. I believe that truly God is offended when his people, who he's provided his word to, are ignorant about the things concerning him. I really do believe that that's offensive to God. And so that's why I always say it's important to read your Bible, not just to open it up on a Sunday morning, but to be a student of God's word. I was talking to these young girls Um, I could still call them young girls, young ladies up here, um, asking them how their life is. What's life like these days? Busy, busy, always tired, you know, that kind of thing. Welcome to adulting. It's hard. It is hard. It's not what it's cracked up to be. I want to go back and be a kid again some days, every day. Okay, but the point of it is this, prioritizing God's word and getting to know all about him is very, very important. Choosing to obey him and reading his word daily is important. So if you haven't read it, this is not me throwing a Bible at you this morning and spanking you with a Bible. This is me telling you, start today. If you didn't do it at all last week, God, forgive me. Help me walk in continuity or consistency starting tomorrow. Pick up your Bible. You say, I don't have a family Bible. You've got an app on your phone that you can download that has hundreds of versions, easy to read. So be a student of God's word because I really do believe that he is offended and bothered by our ignorance. So today I want to talk about the three different baptisms um, and I don't want you to be confused. So I'm not going to interlace them and work in between them. I'm going to just literally give you one, two, and three. And I'm going to show you these three different baptisms that are in Scripture. The last one is all about the Holy Spirit and kind of what our original take on it is. Uh, does he baptize? So let me lay this out pretty plain for you. The first is the first baptism is a spiritual baptism into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. The second is a physical baptism in water as an outward sign. Listen to me. As an outward sign of that initial spiritual baptism. This is facilitated by another believer. doesn't have to be a pastor. Did you know that? Your believing friend can be the person who baptizes you in water. We've had husbands and wives baptize each other in the presence of the church. We've had uncles or cousins or brothers. It's just facilitated by another believer. It doesn't have to be a reverend. okay? And the third is a supernatural baptism in the Holy Spirit that empowers you 
to live a fruitful life as a believer, this baptism is facilitated by none other than Jesus Christ. So the first is a spiritual baptism into the body of Christ. It's facilitated by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that draws the heart of man to salvation. The second is you physically demonstrating, I am a believer and I'm telling the world, I'm leaving the old behind and I'm walking in newness of life. And then the third is a separate and distinct thing that happens to empower you to live a fruitful life as a believer. Now, there's a story that's floated around for hundreds, if not thousands of years. 200 years before Christ was on the earth, there was a philosopher, um, a strange name, Nicander, and he wrote a bunch of recipes down. His recipes called for pickles. Okay, It was an instruction manual on how to pickle cucumbers, or other vegetables. He uses the phrase that is used in Scripture that we still use today, and he says this, you must baptize the cucumber in order for it to become a pickle. Okay, How many of you like pickles? You're my friends. I like you. This is good. I like hot, spicy, garlic, really good. I don't like sweet pickles. How many of you hate sweet pickles? You're really my friends, okay? Really, truly, okay? I'll eat some sweet relish in my salads or whatever. But moving on, baptism is to submerge or immerse in something. The true definition is this. It's the act of introducing a person or a thing into a new environment or into union with something else so as to alter its condition. I used to say these words, believe it or not. I hate cucumbers. I love pickles. How can you hate cucumbers and love pickles? I don't know. I believed it for a really long time, but now I eat cucumbers in all my salads and I love them too. It's the same thing, but it's different. You're the same thing, but you're different once you've received these baptisms. So it says this, into union with someone, something else so as to alter its condition or its relationship to its previous environment. So as we go through and talk through these three different baptisms, I want you to understand this. Baptism is meant to produce permanent change. You say, really, just dipping in water in front of people in church is supposed to... No. Internally, it's a decision that is being made. It's a public profession if we're talking about that water baptism. If we're talking about the other two baptisms, it is absolutely something that produces permanent change. The first baptism. Let's talk about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It says this, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. We were all baptized into one body. The Apostle Paul talks about the body of Christ being joined together in each piece plays a pivotal role or a pivotal part in the body's function. If 
you are absent from the body, and I'm not saying just missed a service, I'm saying if you are not connected to the body of Christ, not only are you missing out on something, but you are handicapping me. You say, oh yeah, you as a pastor? No, no, no. You're handicapping Katie and Crystal and Jason and Sam. You're handicapping one another when we choose to not fellowship and be part and joined together. It's good that we come together. I say that to those who might be still virtual. It's good for us to come together. Amen? So when we make the decision to believe in Christ and to follow him, the Holy Spirit is the one who baptizes us into the body of Christ. He immerses us into Christ and causes a permanent change. Everybody say the word permanent. Permanent change, a permanent change in the life of that person. So it's important for us to understand these three baptisms. And there are questions that come from time to time of what order do they go in. I will tell you the first one we just talked about is the most important and it's the one that comes first. There's no reason to be water baptized if you haven't truly been saved. And there is no, nothing in scripture that says that you can be baptized in the spirit without having been saved. Okay? So there is a certain order. Pastor, can I get filled with the spirit and I haven't been water baptized? Yes. Pastor, can I still go to heaven if I died today in a car wreck, God forbid, and I haven't been water baptized? Yes. Okay? There's some simple answers to those things, but for each one of us, sometimes we labor over them and we, we wonder what the answer is. We just need to be students of his word. Amen? So the second baptism is a physical baptism in water. It's the outward sign of that initial spiritual decision that's been made, that's happened, and that baptism. So this can happen by any other believer The biblical model is that when people got saved, they got baptized. You can read all about it in the New Testament. Someone gets knowledge of what God's done through the work of Jesus Christ by someone, and they immediately say, then what must I do to be baptized? There was this, and you say, well, maybe this is just an old tradition. No, it's a still fresh tradition that still happens today. I was reminded the other day on Facebook of some pictures that we took in a baptism service with a handful of people who are part of our church. I look forward to baptizing you. You say, Pastor, where's the baptistry? We wheel it in here, okay? (laughs) It's out in the shed. We fill it up with water and we wheel it in here. If you're interested in water baptism and you haven't been water baptized, we will baptize you. Water baptism, though, doesn't save you and it doesn't guarantee your salvation. So I've heard people say these phrases. I've walked an aisle when I was a kid. I was water baptized when I was 12. Aren't I good enough to get to heaven? The answer is absolutely not. My name is Dexter and I'm your friend. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely not. It's not enough. What is enough is this. Christ's work on the cross and through an empty grave. 
That is enough to get you into heaven into eternity. That is more than enough. Amen. And so we believe that you're saved by God's grace through your faith in him. It's nothing more and it's nothing less. It is by grace through faith. Amen. Look at what Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 says. This is still talking about water baptism. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We still use those phrases or that phrase today when we water baptize individuals. So baptism is a significant spiritual act. It's not just dipping in water. It is, I I think God set it up this way for it to be high pressure environment for you. Because you, as a person who's being baptized, have now made a statement of faith to the world around you. Not the world, but to your world that says, I'm a believer in Christ. So then they're now examining and evaluating your life on a regular basis to see if you're living out the truth. There's some high pressure there. That's some good pressure. Amen. Somebody say amen. So in this, we understand that baptism is a significant spiritual act. I want you to think about the Israelites fleeing Egypt. The Bible says that God performed a miracle and that the sea parted so that they were able to go through it, walk through it. In the New Testament, the Bible actually says that the Israelites were baptized in that sea. Even though they had not truly been submerged in the actual water but they went through and what they did was baptism their connection to that old environment is gone and done slavery was behind them and they're walking into the newness of life in a promised land full of good things for them so water baptism is a public act when we bury our old life and being raised to new life. Speaking of questions, people have asked me this countless times. Pastor, I, was, I walked an aisle. I lived a decent life as a kid, Christ, a Christian kid. I got baptized. I fell away. I walked away from God, from the church for years and years. I've now made a decision. Should I get water baptized again? What do you think my answer is? Yes. Sure. There's no harm in getting water baptized again. In fact, if we do a water baptism service, it's not uncommon for someone to come to me privately beforehand and say, Pastor, I know I was baptized as a teenager or a college student, but I would love to be water baptized again. I've been really dedicating myself to the Lord, and I just want to make this declaration of faith again. It'll help me, I think. It'll, yes, then get in the pool. Let's do it. Amen? Get in the water. In fact, your own pastor has been baptized twice, okay? So, when you get water baptized, you're just making that public declaration of your faith in Christ. So these two show up in Scripture. The spiritual baptism into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, a physical water baptism, and there are different takes on this, whether it's sprinkling, whether it's dunking, all the different stuff. We're not going to go into that today. I'm going to tell you this. Hold your nose because you're going under, okay, in our church. Um, Have I ever told you? Never mind. Okay, we're just moving on. Anyway, and the third is what we're here to talk about today. But you might just be thinking, you know, Pastor, I didn't really think about this. There are, there are three baptisms throughout Scripture. There really are. And so this third one is important as well. 
It's a supernatural baptism in the Holy Spirit that empowers you to live a fruitful life as a believer. And it is facilitated by Jesus Christ. That means your prayer, should you be a person that fits into this category who has not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, your prayer could be something like this. Dear Jesus, I pray that you would baptize me with the Holy Spirit. That you'd fill my life and consume me with all the good things you have for me. Bear fruit in my life. I receive today by faith in Jesus' name. It's, it's literally that simple. You say, well, pastor, there are people who have prayed that prayer countless times and maybe they still haven't received. I've been praying for lots of things I still haven't received, but it doesn't keep me from praying for them again. Amen? So continue in faith. So here we go. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John the Baptist is actually talking. And he says this. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he, being Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I don't know about your religious upbringing and your context and your thoughts. Can I just tell you that if I was there that day and I heard a man who, you know, wore camel hair, ate locust and honey, preaching at the side of a river, that he wasn't worthy, he looks really dirty, but he's not worthy to carry the sandals of somebody who's coming, and the guy who's coming is going to baptize me with a spirit and with fire, what do you think you would think I mean, I don't know, like right now we're in the spiritual heightened sense and we're like, yes, Jesus, give me the baptism and fire. But like, really, just think about this for a second, okay? So John the Baptist is telling them this on the side of a river out in an open field that the one who's coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. There are a few things to notice. Here's something so important. I want you to understand this from your Presbyterian, from your Baptist background, Catholic background, whatever background you come from. The people that John the Baptist were speaking to that day was a mixed group of people. They were not the disciples of Jesus. They were, it was a public gathering of individuals. You say, well, pastor, why are you saying that? Because there are people who believe that the Holy Spirit was just for the disciples who turned into apostles who built the church and then the Holy Spirit's gone. But how can that be if John the Baptist is telling just average Joes and Janes about this on the side of a river saying that he's going to come and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire? So the disciples aren't actually called until the next chapters come. This is important. And they could have been part of that crowd, but John the Baptist was not singling them out and saying, you, 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 and you, he's going to do that too, but not the rest of you. Do you see that? So it's really important, again, to just read the Bible. We still believe in the baptism of water as a public declaration of our faith, and we as a church still believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit because there's no expiration date for any one of these three. And they show up, surprisingly, 
as models in the Old Testament and in the New for us. So, talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the baptizer. Okay, There are moments in the book of Acts where the apostles lay their hands on people and they pray and they simply say something like this. Receive the Holy Spirit. The Lord uses them, but Jesus is the one who does that work. It's not the Apostle Paul. It's not Pastor Dexter. It's not whoever prayed for you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is God himself. Amen? So we understand that this happens secondary or subsequent to salvation. Now, this is a little bit of a theological class for you, and I hope you stick with me. But this is important for you to understand because people get confused between the first and the third. Everybody gets the water thing. I get it. You put me, I wear swim trunks, you put me on the robe and I jump in the water. I got it. But everybody gets confused at the first and the third because they say, well, but didn't I receive the Holy Spirit when I, when I got saved? The Holy Spirit drew you to salvation through the, and the work of Christ is the thing that saves you. He is the one that saves you. But indeed, the Bible declares there is a secondary thing that happens after point A. That is this, and it is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, in fact, the baptism in the Holy Spirit occurs in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and we just read about in John. Um, these Gospels have a ton of similarities. They record different years of Jesus' ministry, different activities and things, but there are five things that all four Gospels have in them, and I want you to know what they are. They are the birth of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the feeding of the 5,000. Can I hear you say amen? I just think that God knows what he's doing. When he ordained a conglomeration of letters and books to be put together to work through individuals throughout history and time, he decided these five things would be all very consistent, including the feeding of 5,000, which tells me my God shall supply all my needs. Man, that's good. That's a, that was a freebie. Okay, here we go. That's four. And the fifth is this, baptism in the Holy Spirit. All five of these things appear in all four Gospels. Where he looked at Matthew chapter 3, Mark chapter 1 verse 8 says this, Jesus talking, um, no, John talking, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 3 verse 16 has pretty much the same words as Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. But then look at John chapter 1 verse 33. It says this, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So these three different baptisms that happen throughout scripture, the question is this, did Jesus experience these three? He's our model, right? So did he truly experience these three? Well, let me set your mind at ease. He did not have to experience the first one. That spiritual baptism that we talk about being baptized into the body of Christ, it's a result of us leaving an old sinful life and turning and repenting of our sins and believing in God. 
Jesus, the Bible tells us, was born of a virgin and the Holy Spirit and that he lived a sinless life. He had nothing to repent of. So Jesus, we cannot say that Jesus needed salvation. He is the Savior. Amen? Okay? But as it regards the other two, there is some important things for you to understand. Let me just tell you this about Matthew chapter 1 with Jesus not needing to be, quote-unquote, saved or receive salvation. Verse 20 of chapter 1, it says, But as he, Joseph, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. How can a sinner save someone from their sins? He can't. So he was born sinless. John chapter 1 tells us about Jesus being water baptized. In fact, it, there's a little kind of a discussion there. John's like, eh, you, should ba- you should baptize me. <laughs> I really, I think this is how this is supposed to go. But no, Jesus says, I want you to baptize me. So Jesus goes into the river to, to be water baptized. So he does commit himself to that. And then the question is this. Does he receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And my answer to you may surprise you. The answer is unequivocally yes. Say, how is that possible? I'm not God. I don't know. But I'm going to explain it to you right now, okay? Did you, some of you have had enough coffee to track with me on that one. It's fine. It's fine. Some have said, well, Jesus wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes, he was. John chapter 1, verse 33 says that the Holy Spirit descended and remained on him. There's another strange thing there that somehow gets into our our theology and into our churches. Um, We have this symbolism that we use for different things, and we have a dove, and that's the Holy Spirit. Read... uh, Read the Bible, descended upon him as a dove, okay, as a dove. So not every dove is the Holy Spirit that you see. Like we can't get weird about this stuff because remember, the Holy Spirit's not weird. But I want you to understand the wording that John puts here is important. He says that the Holy Spirit descended and remained on him. Do you think, and I know I'm being casual, but I hope I'm engaging your mind this morning, do you think Jesus walked the earth looking like a pirate from the Caribbean with a dove on his shoulder? No. But was he baptized in the Holy Spirit? The Bible says he descended upon him and remained on Jesus. So let me ask you this. If Jesus, the very Son of God in human flesh, in human form, needed the baptism in the Holy Spirit, what makes us think that we don't? We need it too. We need it too. Scripture is very clear. Every believer is entitled to and should seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not bad. It's not weird. It's not wrong. Yes, there have been excesses and there have been some strange things that have occurred. But I'm telling you, God wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. 
I was praying this morning. I know it's hard for you to get up early on Sunday mornings. It's your day to sleep in and snuggle, and then the kids stress you out and make you want to cuss before church and all the things. But here's, but here's the thought that I have, okay? Here's the thought that I have. We'd love for you to be here a few minutes early and join us in prayer. Starting at 945 each Sunday, we do pray first. And really, it's just a come and go, like just find a place of prayer. But it's so helpful to you and to I when we're here in God's presence before everybody else shows up to just enjoy his presence. You say, well, Pastor, where are you going with this? Someone prayed for me this morning. Someone prayed, Lord, fill my pastor with the Holy Spirit. Fill him fresh again. Man, I said, Lord, answer this prayer. I need it. Fill me again, fresh and new. You say, uh, you might have that question of where did it go? (laughs) It leaks from time to time, so I need to get it refilled and recharged. Amen? So you and I both need the Holy Spirit. Every believer needs the Holy Spirit. We need him walking with us on a daily basis because you can't do this life alone. And Jesus isn't physically here any longer. And so the Holy Spirit wants to walk with you through the day. He wants to help you know when to speak, know what to speak, help you to steer clear from sin and from temptation. He wants to guide you in generosity. He wants to give you words of wisdom and knowledge. He wants to bear fruit in your life like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those things. He wants to do a work in you. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He was speaking in faith to that group of people, saying, Commit your life to the Lord, and then seek this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Philip was a deacon. He goes to Samaria and he preaches in Acts chapter 8, verse 12. And I'm burning through a couple of these examples really quickly. It says this, 8 verse 12, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. You say, well, pastor, that's about water baptism. It is, but keep reading. Look at what verse 14 through 17 says. 14 says this, now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Y'all got A, y'all got B, now you need this. That's, that's where we're headed. This is Acts chapter 8, after the building of the church has happened. Okay, It says this, And it says, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the Lord Jesus or in the name of the Lord Jesus, talking about water baptism. So verse 17 says, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So the three baptisms keep showing up. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 and 2 It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the island or inland country and came to a city called Ephesus. He found some disciples there and he asked this question that I asked several weeks ago. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? If it happened at salvation, 
or as part of salvation, why would he single it out separately? Why would they have made a separate trip? He poses this question, did you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit since you've believed? And here's, here's the catch. This isn't a catch, but here's the qualifier. At some points in our life, and these two young ladies up here, I'll keep using them as an example because I got fresh examples. At some point in their life, they believed the lie that adulthood was going to be fun. It was going to be exciting. You're going to get rich. It's going to, all bills will be paid. They, they had this great imagination and then they realized, you know, some, some of that isn't so much exactly what I thought it was going to be. Some of us, spiritually speaking, can come from our background, sitting in the pew that we sat in when we were 10 years old, in whatever denomination and church that we were in. And we have these thoughts ingrained in us about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And I'm telling you, it's different. It's probably different than what you... So you need time to absorb it, but I want to clearly ask you that question. Have you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit since you believed? We all have to wrestle with these scriptures. Some of it's uncomfortable. Are you getting what I'm saying? Some of it doesn't maybe make sense based on your theological background or your understanding. But I challenge you, be a student of the word of God. Amen? Then we see in the book of Acts, just to add some additional fuel to this fire. We see in the book of Acts separate occurrences all the way through of each of these baptisms. People being saved and baptized into the body of Christ. People then being water baptized. And then people being filled with the Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it happens years after Pentecost. In fact, Acts chapter 19, its date. If you actually look at some history books about the chronology of Scripture, Acts chapter 19 and the travels that are listed there happen 25 years after Acts chapter 2. So the Holy Spirit apparently was still here 25 years later, wanting to do something. And here's what I'm telling you. He's still here 2,000 years later, and he still wants to do something. He wants to do something fresh. I got a text message from a sister this morning in our church, who's part of our church, who said, Pastor, I'm praying for revival. I said, don't stop until we get it. That's what my thought was. Like, amen and amen. I want it. I want a fresh touch. Why? So I can feel some goosebumps? No, because that's no good. I can turn the air down lower for that. Some of you are like, we're, we're fine, Pastor. It's, it's fine in here. Um, I know, I know. Look, hey, First day, I'm wearing long sleeves in 2021, okay? This is, okay? So I'm ready to get out of here, too. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I try to, try to look the part, though. Wear the long sleeves because y'all say it's cold these days. Here's what, I, here's what I want to tell you. There is a completeness to the work of God that some believers are missing out on. And there's, and there's no harm, there's no foul, there's no God doesn't love me enough to have given me the Holy Spirit yet. There's none of that should be our attitude. It should just be, wow, you know, I don't have that. Jesus, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. That's it. 
Because this is truly the word of God. It's the occurrence of scripture. It's our scriptural example all the way through. So think about it like this. When you got saved, you should have become a new person. The old life is gone. The behaviors are gone. When you get water baptized, you bury that old person. If you're like me, I feel the Holy Spirit telling me this this morning. If you're like me, there are moments where you might go to the closet and you've kept that dead body in there so you can decorate it and put some fresh clothes on it and look at it and remember that old life. But you need to be gone and done with the old life. You and I both do. Done. Then. That's a change that happens. And when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you receive power to walk in that new life. So many Christians are walking around defeated, deflated, disturbed. They are living a life without peace, not living in the grace of the Lord, simply because they're missing out on something they could just ask for. So if you know this, then you need to receive the Holy Spirit today. The greatest thing about these three baptisms well let me say it like this the most challenging thing about these three baptisms is this one word obedience that's it That is the challenge for you and I to obey. Because God's promise is clear. Jesus said in his word that when I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to give you power. So go and wait for him. So I tell you, if you've prayed for the Holy Spirit before and not yet received, wait for it. Continue to ask. Continue to seek. Continue to say, Lord, I need more of you in my life because there's a complete work that God wants to do inside of you that can not only affect you, but it can affect the way you parent your children, the way you manage your employees, the way you live your life on the daily. And it is the Holy Spirit. So close your eyes and bow your heads with me. I don't want us as believers in Celebrate Church to be those who live defeated, deflated, and disturbed. I want us as believers to walk in victory and to walk in the newness of that spiritual life, that fruitfulness that the Holy Spirit wants to bring. So I'm going to ask two questions today. You've already heard me ask the question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? But here's what I want to do. I'm gonna call you forward. Say, Pastor, that's a little unlike you. I know. I'm going to call you forward this morning for two different things. If you say, Pastor, I'm a believer. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but I feel like I want to ask God to give me more. I need a fresh influx. I need a a fresh vein of that in my life. I need the Holy Spirit in a fresh way in my life. Would you just step out of your seat right now and just come join me on this side over here? Just take a step of faith and walk over here and 
we want to pray with you this morning. You say, I've been filled with the Spirit and I want to receive even more of what God has for me. Then come today. Begin to just pray individually and I'll be there in just a moment to pray with you. We believe